Good day. This is Rob Michaels with Season 1, Episode 8 of our Guns and Hoses podcast series. It's peace in the midst of the storm we're going to be talking about. How do we live when things are going bad, when turmoil is all around us? You know, the times in which we live are tumultuous. Between the harsh treatment of law enforcement and defunding with shootings up this year again, with all manner of wrongdoing being perpetrated against those who stand up on the line to keep our communities safe. You know, as a former law enforcement officer, I can say without question, these times are terrible for those who serve honorably in law enforcement. And that would include 99.9% of those that wear the badge. But what does God think about what you're going through? You know, suffering for Christians is not uncommon. Christians do endure suffering. But what do we do when we go through that? Suffering could be many things. It could be illness. Right here in Brentwood, we lost a former police officer to COVID. But you can look in the news and see officers that are shot or killed or wounded. You see firefighters that are injured in the line of duty. You know, the job which we chose early on was a dangerous job. But God is with you even in the midst of the danger, even in the midst of suffering and injury. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Peace in the midst of the storm. You know, if you look at Romans 8, it provides an amazing outline for finding peace in the midst of suffering. During challenging times and uncertainty, consider what Paul teaches in Romans 8 regarding life in Christ. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nobody can condemn those who live in Christ and honor him. You know, you've heard the expression, who's your daddy? Well, that would be God. You know, in Romans 14, it said, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now that word Abba or Abba um, means daddy. That's exactly what it meant in the Greek. We are joint heirs with Christ. I want you to think about that. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Yes, my friends, we do have to endure suffering. Now, mind you, these promises are to those who are children of God, those who have come to God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what this is talking about. We have comfort in God's strength 
In verse 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Well, that tells us two things. One, he works for the good of those who love him. We talked about that last session. How do you love God? Do you just feel good about him? Some of these woke pastors out there talk about God being their, their brother, their man, their, their solid connection. You know what? God is the creator of all things, and his son, Jesus Christ, deserves all the respect that he is due. And we must admire him and stand in awe of what he did for us. God works for the good of those who love him sacrificially, who are willing to surrender to his lordship. And that's what we're talking about. When you become a Christian, it's not enough just to say, I believe. It's got to reflect in your life. That includes repentance. And what that means, repentance means turning from the way that you were headed, making your own decisions based on your own will and your own desires, to surrendering yourself, going 180 degrees the other way and saying, Christ, whatever you demand of me, I will do. Whatever you require of me, I will offer. That includes suffering. That includes doing that what God calls us to do. I think of Jim Elliott, the missionary who served in a remote village and was killed for his efforts. He was murdered. He was martyred. But he was willing to go knowing that was the risk that he took to be killed. You know, he says, I consider that all that our present sufferings are not worth comparing. That means whatever it is we're going through cannot even be remotely compared to what Christ did for us suffering on the cross. We find comfort in God's strength. As I said, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So it's for those who love him, and we have been called by God. Listen to this next verse. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified. He also glorified. It was God who called us to himself through the work of the Holy Spirit to surrender our will to Jesus Christ. And he causes, for those of us who are in him, causes works for the good of those. Now, mind you, good doesn't mean it's all a party. You know, when we do things uh, to correct our children. We say, it's for your own good that I'm doing this. Is that true? Yes, it is. When we tell them, don't play with fire, well, that's an important thing because it will hurt them. Don't play out in the street. You could get killed. When we stop our children from doing things that they thought were fun, we're doing it for their good. God works for the good of those who love him. And we need to accept that just like we want our children to accept our correction 
when they do something that we believe might harm them. God is our protector and our defender. Verse 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things, all things that will glorify him and all things that will raise us higher in the Christian faith? You know, whenever I see this verse and read it, I think of Jim Chanel, radio announcer in Chicago, used to be Captain Whammo, and Jim was a rowdy kind of guy until he was walking down the street one day and looked in the sidewalk where in the freshly poured concrete, somebody wrote, Jesus loves you. That captured him. He surrendered his heart to God and he became a Christian radio announcer. That doesn't mean you have to leave what you're doing, but that's what God called him to do because God can use us wherever we are, doing whatever we do. Now, think about that. If God is for us, who can be against us? With all that you're facing out there, the political pressure, the things that we're going through in this election right now, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. Think about that. Who can condemn us? No one. No one because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, I want you to think about that. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the sins that you have committed. If you come to Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive you of your sins and you surrender your life to him, my friends, no one can condemn you. Now, that does not mean that you will not face criminal charges if you've done something worthy of that. But what it does mean is when you stand before God, no one can bring a charge against you because it has been paid by the blood of Christ. Let me tell you, if that doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. That's an old saying. Who indeed can bring a charge against you? No, in verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. My friends, no matter what you're going through, family issues, financial issues, issues on the job, issues with friends, issues with your health. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What more can we ask? Verse 38 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does this mean that we'll have no suffering? No. Think back to verse 17. Now, if we are children, 
then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Can you imagine that? We are offered the opportunity to share in the glory of Jesus Christ as his brothers and sisters. But there's a cost, just like it was for him. And that is, if suffering comes upon us, don't moan and groan. Why me, Lord? What did I do to deserve this? It may be unfair. What you were experiencing may not be the right thing. You may be accused wrongly. You may be suffering because of misperception or because somebody has a bent against you. You know, I took a stand in the music business. I found out that a company I was working for was doing the wrong thing, and I took a stand. It cost me my job. They didn't fire me. They put me on an extended leave of absence and moved me out of the building. But they might as well have fired me. And they did that because they knew I was right and they were wrong. But you know what? didn't matter. I was treated wrongly. But God used that to give me the platform to start my own company. And for 30 years, I had success in what I did because God gave me that opportunity. I wouldn't have had that unless I had suffered through the issues I dealt with. You know, whenever God takes us through something, there's a reason. And he's already prepared the way for the other side. Even if it costs us our life, if we are in Christ, the moment you die, you awake in heaven. You stand before the Holy One. My friends, nothing, what can come against us, neither death nor life, nor angels or demons, nothing can come against us because of God being our father, and Christ Jesus being our brother. Now, I want to give you an example. And maybe you've never heard of Job. Job lived in the land of Uz, and it said that he was the most blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. So think about that. This is the most righteous man in the land who feared God and stayed away from evil. That's who Job was. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. Back then, Satan had access to God. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Now, I want you to think about what just happened there. Job's out being blameless and upright honoring God. He was the richest man in the land. And yet, God challenged Satan to look at Job. I don't think I'd want to have that opportunity. Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him on earth. He's blameless and upright. He fears God. And Satan says, does he fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge around him? And his household, everything he has, you've blessed the work of his hands. He mocked God because God was protecting Job. 
And the Lord said to Satan, he says, stretch out your hand and strike everything he has. He will certainly curse you to your face. That's what Satan said to God. The Lord said back to Satan, very well, everything he has is in your power. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. And then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So, Job is in his office. Messenger came to Job and said the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby. And the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword. And I'm the only one that escaped to tell you. And while that man was speaking, another messenger came in and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants. And I'm the only one that has escaped to tell you. So, two messengers. He lost all of his livestock. He lost all of his crops, all of his servants. While that man was still speaking, another messenger came. The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and only I escaped. And while he was still speaking, and this is the real painful one, another messenger came. Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house, and suddenly a mighty wind swept from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead. And I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Think about that. Joe, Joe was sitting in his office minding his own business. Put yourself in his shoes. Somebody comes into your house and says, I hate to tell you this, but everything you own is gone. All of your wealth is gone. And worse, your children are dead and their families. I don't know about you, that would be crushing. But God allowed that to happen. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell to the ground in worship. Think about that. He lost everything and he fell to the ground and worship. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Think about that. He honors God. He's upright. Everything is lost violently. And Job says, it wasn't mine to begin with. When we lose things, everything we have was given to us by God. We have to let it go. We have to open our hands and not hold on to things like this. That includes our jobs, by the way. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and here comes nasty old Satan with them. Satan answered, the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? He said, roaming about the earth. You see, think about that. That's true today. Evil that we confront can be done at the hand of Satan and his minions from roaming throughout the earth. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? All right, Job's lost everything. He's lost everything, and he did not blame God. And now God's saying again, hey, what about my man Job? There's no one like him. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life, 
but now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he'll certainly curse you. So Satan's saying, all right, we took everything from him, and he still loves you, but hurt his body. Come at him physically. And the Lord said to Satan, very well, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went back. He afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself as he sat there among the ashes. Job's lost everything. He's physically in pain. He's trying to find relief. He's in sackcloth and ashes. Does he have any encouragement coming his way? Well, he has a community support group. First of all, his wife comes in to him, and, he, and she says, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. That's his wife. Curse God and die. He said, You're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Hold on to that verse. We thank God when good things come to us. But when trouble comes, do we blame him? Do we turn away from him? Do we get angry? Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Remember, we inherit in Christ the same way that he does if we share in his sufferings. We share in his glory if we share in his sufferings. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And all this he did not sin in what he said. Job moaned out loud, Woe is me! Why me? Well, he's struggling. Here come his buddies. Then Eliphaz the Temanite replied, If someone ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? But who can keep from speaking? Think how you have instructed many, how you have strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened falter, uh, faltering and knees. But now trouble comes to you and you are discouraged. It strikes you and you are dismayed. That's some encouragement right there. Job, what kind of Christian are you, buddy? What kind of follower of God are you? You, you talk a big talk, but now it's at you. Should not your piety be your confidence and your blameless ways your hope? Oh, you see, that's saying, aren't you good enough that that should be okay? Our confidence and our blameless ways have nothing to do with our salvation. Christ alone forgives our sins, not our good works, not our confidence. Christ alone. His buddy came back, buddies came back to him in chapter 8 and said, you know, your, your kids must have sinned to cause their death. Now, I don't know about you, but if that were me, I probably would have wanted to get up and throw a few punches, pick up a cane and whack them. Don't talk about my kids like that. They're dead. And they're blaming the death of the kids on Job's sin. And we know that's not the truth. When the rubber meets the road, you put up or shut up. In chapter 40, later on, the Lord said to Job, because Job was crying out to God. He was pretty tough. He was frustrated. God said to Job, will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him 
who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I'm unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. Then the Lord spoke out to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will answer your question. And he said, I'll question you and you'll answer me. For the next two chapters, God challenged Job on who created all things. Who put those stars up there? Who created the earth, the waters, all that lives? It says, you, you, know, you asked, who is it that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I don't understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I'll speak. I will question you. My ears have heard you. But now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. When God questioned Job, he realized, Lord, I can't blame you. I accept what you have given me. And after the Lord said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite. Now, this is one of his buddies. Okay. It came to him and, and slapped him down. I'm angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. After Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. Job prayed for those who chastised him, for the very ones that said, you know what, maybe you sinned and that caused your children to die. All of his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him came and ate at his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought him, and each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. My friend, if you're listening to this and you're struggling with something, Two things you need to consider. Have you ever gone before God and confessed your sins and asked him to forgive you, that you might come before him and enjoy his blessing? If not, that's what Christmas is all about. God sent forth his son at the right time. For God gave us him to forgive our sins, not to condemn us, but to forgive us. Have you asked for forgiveness? Or if you're in the midst of suffering, have you gone to God and asked him to give you wisdom, to show you the way out, to give you strength and encouragement? He'll do that. God expects us to go through the storm, but we're not alone. He's with us no matter what you're going through. This time of year, there are a lot that struggle. Loss of family members, loss of a job, or things happen with your house, or you don't have a house. But my friends, God is with you no matter where you are. And I want to close the same way I do every week. I came up with this when I was on the road with a speaker, and this was the way I introduced the guy, because he had come from a very bad past. You might be listening to this and think, 
Yeah, a lot of talk. God would never forgive me for what I've done. You don't know me. You don't know the evil I have embraced. My friends, there's no one so bad that God can't forgive them. That God won't forgive them. If you ask Jesus for forgiveness, you will be given forgiveness. That's assured. You may be listening to this and think, listen, I do a lot of good things. I help out at the church. I put money in the offering, take care of the nursery from time to time. I put up with those screaming kids. You know, I usher. You know, I'm a, I'm a deacon. But you know what? It doesn't matter what you do or who you are. You're never good enough to earn forgiveness from God. No works that you can do, no matter how many missionaries you support, no matter what it is that you do for God, there's only one thing he requires to be with God, and that is asking for forgiveness. No matter how good you are, because the foot of the cross is the only place that the good and the bad become the forgiven. There may be people that get tired of hearing this every week, but you know what? I don't want anybody to listen that doesn't have an opportunity to hear that God loves them so much that he sent his son to die for your sins. And by receiving him, you become part of the Christian family. Worldwide, brothers and sisters in every corner of the earth, and through whatever you go through, God will always be with you. Well, thank you. I hope this was encouraging for you. This is Rob Michaels. This is Season 1, Episode 8. God bless you, my friends. Until next time.